listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. North of Zero by Slip and Mickey's on AO3. Chapter 12, The Escape They were hustling up the steps of the cellar when Marlowe called out to them. Wait! She grabbed the bag of the smoked fish and meats they'd brought, their entire share from the last half year in the cooperative, and held it out to them. Take this, she said. That's art. Take it, Marlowe said harshly, then grabbed another sack and quickly filled it with various provisions she had on hand most of them belonging to other traders. This too. We can't, Scully started to say. You can, and you will, Marlow said. And take Gypsy too. Load these up, and I'll get them saddled. She held up a hand when Mulder began to protest. Go, she said. When they got to the top of the steps, the sunshine was blinding, and William stumbled. Scully grabbed his arm. You okay? she asked and when he looked over at her, her stomach dropped. There were trickles of blood coming from his nose and ears. His eyes were half-lidded, and he swayed on his feet. William? Sweetie? Mulder! Mulder spun around, and his eyes widened as he looked at his son. Take him, Scully said. The boy was leaning on her more and more, and was getting too heavy to prop up. Jesus, Mulder said rushing to her side and sliding the boy's arm over his shoulder. They made their way to the horses as quickly as they could. They had removed the saddles but left them propped up over the top of the fences. They could make quick work of getting the horses ready. Mulder lowered William to sit on the ground, his back propped up against the fence post, his face clammy and gray. Molly came when Scully called her, but Pumpkin and Gypsy were upset shying away from Mulder when he reached out to grab their bridles. Mulder finally got a hand through Pumpkin's cheek piece and pulled him over, making low, calming noises. The horse threw his head once, but then calmed, letting Mulder saddle him up. I'll take William on Pumpkin, Mulder said to Scully. You ride Molly and pull Gypsy behind you. He can carry the packs. Marlow overheard and managed to get her horse calmed down enough to saddle him, tightening the girth before loading him up with the various bags of the provisions. Mulder leaned down and helped William up and into the saddle, grabbing onto the boy's shoulder when he started slumping over. He managed to keep him upright while he climbed on behind him. Scully swung into the saddle and Marlow threw her gypsy's reins then trotted over to open the paddock gate. Pumpkin needed no further encouragement and trotted quickly out of the paddock, Molly and Gypsy fast on his heels. Thank you, Mulder called to Marlowe as they passed her. We'll bring Gypsy back when we can. Are you kidding? Marlowe called as the horses took them further and further away, and she pointed out to the south fields. Mulder finally turned to look. There were four crashed spaceships in various states of distress spanning at least an acre and a half of what had once been cornfields. Tisdale was running between them, barking madly. 
Mulder thought he saw movement in the ship nearest them and wasted no more time, spurring Pumpkin into a gallop, holding his limp son close to his chest. I think we should board it, Wheaton said, crossing his arms over his chest defiantly. They had made their way to the top of a building on Yong Street in Toronto and were looking through their binoculars at a ship that had crashed onto Bloor, just outside of the Royal Museum. That ship is new. It wasn't there when I was here this summer, Wheaton went on. It wasn't part of the original invasion. And what do you hope to accomplish? Scully asked testily. She didn't like being in the cities. Too much could go wrong. Reconnaissance, Wheaton answered. Maybe we can learn something. Scully highly doubted the man could so much as spell reconnaissance, but kept the thought to herself. He might be right, Smith said. He'd gotten close to Wheaton since they'd picked the man up the month before, when he'd supplied them with the ammunition, when he'd supplied them with ammunition and some valuable dry goods. Smith was still having a hard time with the loss of Rebecca and Jordan, and he'd channeled his grief into weaponry and aggression. He and Wheaton took turns trying to out-macho each other, strapping on more and more firepower and unnecessary machismo. McDougal shrugged from where he sat, leaning against the lip of the building's roof, not even bothering to look at the ship on the street below. He was an older gentleman, in his mid-fifties and quiet, wide around the midsection, steady as a rock. He gave and kept good counsel. What do you think, Agent Mulder? he asked. I think if we do it, we'll need a good plan, Mulder said. And that was the beginning of the end of their confederacy. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there. <laughs>